If you've got your papers, bring your papers out. All right, just uh, to catch anybody up that has a new piece of paper, you've got, you've got this little paragraph, and then you've got a line after it. We've been working through these, and there's a statement made, and then you have to pick out some verses that were on it. I didn't bring the other board over with the verses on it. Um, I'm going to give you a little break tonight, but what I want you to do is everybody who's been going through this, they have, they've had to pick out the verses, see if they can figure out which they are. But let's have you do it this way tonight. For the first one, what two verses would you write down? And if you don't have, you know, yours won't be written down if you got a new one. So write it in when they hear anybody say it. What are the two verses that would go in this first one? Romans 12.2. Romans 12.2, yes, that's one of them. James 1.22 through 25. And what those verses are about, that's what this paragraph is drawn from, okay? John, you want one? Do you want one? Got one? Okay. Um, number two. What verses are number two? Luke 19. Luke 19, yes. Pretty well, the whole... The whole um, parable is what it is what it is because Luke 19 has a little bit more in it, but this one's all about the parable. Luke 19 and the parable. Okay, oh, need one? Sorry, I took one last week too, and I took Man. one the week before. <laughs> I am wallpapering. Yes, that is it. I love it. Insulation for the house. Okay, number three. What is number three? Remember those verses. Matthew 6.33 goes on that one. And again, each paragraph is about that verse. Okay, that's what we're doing. Number four. Colossians 3. We had a few of them there. What are they? John 6.27. There we go, John 6.27. And Colossians 3.23. Okay. Then the next one um, was, what was it? That's number five? James 4.4. 4. James 4.4 4 and 5.16 5, and 18. And then number six. Wait, wait. James 4.4. 4. 4. Ephesians 5.16 through 18. And then the next one was six. And what were those? We had... That was about prayer, and that was last week. First Thessalonians five seventeen. First John five fourteen and fifteen. First John five fourteen and fifteen. Matthew six ten. Colossians four two. Um, okay, now we've gone we've gone to six. Now what these are, if you remember, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are, now these uh, what are these all about? You remember? How to live in the kingdom. How to live in the kingdom. And what is the verse that really supports all of this that we're kind of basing all this on and that we're looking at? Colossians 1 13. Colossians 1 13. Anybody tell us what that is? Now, what is that? There we go. He rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son. Domain of darkness. What's domain mean? Freedom of choice. The world of the free will. The world of the free will world. That's the world we get to make our free will choices in. 
That's the domain. But what does the darkness mean? Blindly. Blindly ignorant. That's what it means in the Greek. So you've got this freedom of choice, but you're blindly ignorant. Don't really go together real well in making wise choices. But that's, that's who we are. That's what we lived in. That's who we came from. But he transferred us out of that world to the kingdom of his beloved son. Now, he, changed, he, he transferred us to what? Let me hear everybody say it at the same time. What is the kingdom? I love it. Man, that's good. That's excellent. That's excellent. That's excellent. Yes. And so he's transferred us, us to this kingdom of his beloved son. But here's the problem. A people willingly surrendered to the rule of God? Wow, that's a toughie. Because in that world of domain of darkness, that's exactly the opposite of how we live. That's absolutely how the, what the flesh is. It wants, according to Galatians 5.16, wants nothing to do with the rule of God. So that's who we were. Now we're transferred into this people who willingly surrender to the reign of God and then actively participate in an intimate partnership with him? Well... Goodness gracious. We are a people that have been blindly ignorant all our, all our lives, living in a world that's so contrary to God, and now he's transferred us to this world that is a relationship with the most holy being in the universe into this intimate partnership with him. Boy, are we somewhere that we don't, we don't belong, and we don't know how to operate in that world. We have no idea. I think everybody that's married, again, can remember... You know, when you look back a few years, and you've been married several years, and you look back and you think, "Wow, man, we've had some we've had some issues, but we stayed together." But it, you know, there's been ups and downs, ups and downs, ups and downs. Well, you know, that's with another person coming out of the blindly ignorant world. <laughs> that's that's somebody there. Take somebody and plug them in there to a relationship with the most holy God. Boy, that kind of shows what the problem is. We don't know how to live in that world. We don't know how to have a relationship with God that way. Yet he's transferred us to this. So that's what this paper is. is This paper is we're trying to look and see how do we live in that world. Because it's it's a whole different set of rules. It's not the rules of the world and the way we are, the culture that we're from. It's not that world at all. So the rules don't apply. In fact, so many of those rules are just the opposite of the world of the domain of darkness and the kingdom of God's beloved son. Way different. So that's what this is all about. And we're looking at those verses and trying to establish and learn how then we then can do what we are called to do, live in that world. So last week we talked about prayer. And I kind of want to hit again just a little bit about that before we move on to the next one. So turn to Matthew 6.10. So one of the things that we learned was... That, you know, as we've been going through everything, is that, well, people blindly ignorant, coming out of a culture of that, don't know how to pray as we should. I mean, obviously we wouldn't. My goodness, how in the world is, uh, do we pray the way we should in the kingdom of God? So, look at Matthew, and then, you know, Jesus said, pray this way. So, okay, then we're going to learn something here. Now the king of the kingdoms going to tell us how to pray. And that's what we were looking at. So he starts to look at it. He says, pray then in this way. Our Father... Who is in heaven? Now he starts right out with the most basic, most intimate, personal concept of talking to God. Of, of and, and he says it's the calls him our Father. Well, right then, 
That's mind-boggling. We're in this domain of darkness, and now we're going to be able to talk to God as my father? As my father? Now, if I have, I'm a very, very, very fortunate human being. My dad was my idol. I had the most beautiful, loving, just tremendous father. Not everybody grows up in that. There is an unfortunate thing about that, is that people, males and females both, will attribute to God the image of their father when we come out of that domain of darkness. And that's, that's the most natural things we do. And, and that could be wonderful. In my particular situation, there's so many things I learned from my dad. I made it when I transitioned into. Now, my dad was not God. But the, so many things he did were wonderful to me and helped me see the characteristics of God that now I've learned to grow in and see and learn, and they've been beautiful. But be aware that when Jesus said our Father was in heaven, you don't know what that looks like. Because even at the best, and I had a wonderful father, it's way short of my father who is in heaven. It's way short of that. But that's what we attribute to God so many times are those characteristics. So now we've got to learn about our father who is in heaven. But just take this one thing to start with. This word is, is, is the most intimate and warm concept that you could ever call your father and have that kind of relationship with him. That's what it is. It's the most personal, intimate relationship that you could have with a father. And that's what we're calling him. But then he goes from there, our father who is in heaven, and says, hallowed be your name. You know, as wonderful as my dad was, I never said, hallowed be your name, father. (laughs) Never did. That's the concept of the greatest holiness, hallowed be your name. All in the name, it's, it's who he is. It's his character. And it's, and it's taking this intimate, personal father and saying, but you are the most holy, magnificent, righteous being ever. Now, that's quite a combination that now we're going to be relating to in this intimate partnership that we're going to have. We're going to pray and talk to that being. And God has a start there. That's what Jesus said. Start there. Our Father who art in heaven, hallowed be your name. Why do you think Jesus starts us there when praying? Why would you think he would do that? Because he doesn't just throw words out for whatever. He wants you to acknowledge who you're actually praying to. Couldn't say any better. Perfect now. To acknowledge, start with who who am I really praying to? Because see... Again, we've talked about this before. How you view God is going to determine how you pray. It's, it's all what it's going to be. It's all going to be determined by that. So if your God is a little God, your prayers will be a little. little. But if your prayer, if your God is magnificent, if he is the, the most magnificent father and the most magnificent being, wow, now you've got a place to start with your prayers. And, and you know what that does? That removes you from being the, the focal point of your praying. Because <laughs> how do you do that? Every single person we see in the Bible that was got a, a, one of the few, there's a few cases, but got to be in the presence of God, it wasn't about them. <laughs> they fell on their faces and they were scared to death and going, oh my goodness, what am I doing here? Because that set the tone then for that prayer that they just had. <laughs> Whoa, what am I doing? What was me? What was me? because they saw God, you see. So it must start, we must start praying 
with that concept. I remember when I was doing a lot of studying on prayer, I was reading all this stuff, I come up with one quote that was just beautiful. And it said, we should never utter one syllable to God until we realize who we're in the presence of. <laughs> and that is really true. Because, my goodness, if we don't, then we're going to run, we can run amok with praying and, and, and get all through this stuff and then be done and God's going to go, did they realize who they were talking to? <laughs> I, I sometimes wonder if he ever says that. I, I, do they, they, they know they're talking to me? <laughs> I, I want to ask them that. I'd really like to see that. Um, so it starts there. But then what is the next thing immediately after that? What does it go into? Your kingdom. It goes right from who God is into the kingdom. Now, I'm not going to make you raise your hands. But just think about I want you to go back and see if you can pull out the last time that you prayed and after talking to God in that manner, you went right into something about the kingdom. Didn't you have us do that last week? <laughs> we, we did. We finally said, like, we're going to do that. Exactly right. Because that's, you know what? When you come out of the domain of darkness, that's not how we pray. It's what, what do I want? What do I need? What do I think I, I should have? What about this? What, what do I want to complain about? What do I want? And, and isn't that how we pray? I mean, we're, we're all wrapped up in ourselves. And he starts us right out with, and so what does he start us with? What is it he starts us with? The kingdom. Say it again. A people <laughs> Perfect. surrender to the rule of God and actively participate in an intimate partnership with him. John, absolutely right. The kingdom. Now, we want to translate that into what really are we praying? What is this word we're going to talk to God about? And it's going to be, we're going to take the word, and then we're going to take it over here. We're going to be talking to the our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name, and we're going to talk about our surrender to him and our intimate partnership with him. You see how that that's where our prayers then go? Is that's because you know why that is? Because that's the most important thing to God. That's what Jesus died for, was that relationship. And so we go from there to praising who he was, talking about who he was, recognizing that, and then we go right into this amazing relationship that we get to have with him. Now, someone had asked before, what do we get do we ever get to ask about our request? Well, let's take a look at a couple of requests that he has. Because, <laughs> again, we're going to see our domain of darkness show up real quick here. Look at the request that he says. Okay, now pray this way. Now he comes down here. Your kingdom come. Your will be done. Give us to stay our daily bread. Now you and I, come on now. I bet if we went to your cupboards, my cupboards, I'm in a tent and I got cupboards full of food. We always do. But... Here he says, our prayers are to be kept in this fashion. Give us today just what I need for today. Wow. That kind of changes how I'm looking at praying about what my needs are. Just what I need for today. Why do you think he does that? Why do you think then he slips right into one of the most basic fundamentals of life is my appetite? i got to put some food in my stomach. Why do you think he goes and shrinks it down to that little, little bit? 
Oh, man, you guys are good. We didn't hear that. Good. So he <laughs> said, um, so we rely on him. Okay. You see, this relationship, this partnership, it's got to stay in connection with him. The moment we think I can live this life in this kingdom without him, we're in trouble. <laughs> we're in trouble. The moment we think that way. So, see, praying this way keeps us completely then connected to him in a manner that we should be. I need him to give me my food every day. We'll go to work. What are we doing when you go to work? You're trying to earn money. What are you going to do with that money? Go down, spend it, and buy groceries. And you're going to get food and pack out the, the cupboards with it. But Jesus wants us not to forget that that can change any moment he wants to. <laughs> that every single day we're dependent on him and he doesn't want us that to go away out of our brains. So therefore, put it in a prayer. Make it come into our prayer so it's a real attitude that give us today our daily bread. I don't need any more than that, God. I don't need any more than that. Keep me dependent on you. Does he end there? No, no, no. He's still got another one, a great one. Who would ever pray this way? Where do you see the next one? Give us our daily bread. Next part of the prayer. And forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. Really? Can't remember last time that entered into my prayer life, right? (laughs) Do we really want to pray that way? Does God really want us to pray that way? To... Forgive me my debts. All my debts. No, that's not what he says. But forgive me of my debts to the same degree I forgive others of their debts. Wow. Well, that, that right there, if we never run any farther, that will really change our praying. Forgive us our debts as we forgive others. The word debts is just exactly that. You owe something. Okay, so we owe something. Who do we owe something to? Is he talking about a bank? Car loan? House payment? No, what do you think he's talking about that is our debt? What is it? Yes? Jesus. We owe God. Who created us? God did. Who saved us? God did. And he tells us in in 1 Corinthians 3, you're not your own. You've been bought with a price. I own you. I created you. I bought you. You're mine. And that's not a bad thing. I mean, that's a beautiful thing. But we owe that debt. We owe him. He saved us. And so we owe a debt. So now, forgive me my debts. That's what we're going to pray. I mean, that really is the way I'm going to pray. Forgive me my debts, Lord the way I forgive other people. If that was the case and we prayed that, I wonder how that would look every day. <laughs> I, wonder, I wonder how that would be. Okay, I must probably today I got through two and that means I probably have ten more of it that, um, that I'm not going to be forgiven for. And I haven't gone out of bed yet. <laughs> it's, I mean, just think about that. My goodness. Forgive us our debts as I forgive everybody else. All that people have done against me. Wow, what a challenge. But you see, coming from the domain of darkness, we wouldn't even think of praying this way. That's not even how we would ever think of function of, of living in the kingdom of God. But why do you think he has us do that? Why would you think? You're on a roll. You're really doing good. See if you can hit this one. Why would you think he would want us to pray that way? 
Constant reminder. And what's that constant reminder meant to do for us? Beautiful. What's that constant reminder meant to do for us? Caleb, you know it. You and I have had this conversation. Okay. It's going to keep us somewhere so in, a, in a particular state of being. Bankrupt. Dependent. Bankrupt, which is... I get two stars. You got two stars. <laughs> which is poor in spirit. Poor in spirit. Two stars. So I got two papers with stars on. <laughs> See if we can all say something. Josh. It also um, keep us merciful. Then we are. It's going to create in us this attitude. I'm poor in spirit. My goodness, what can I? What do I got to say about anybody else? So it leaves me in that state where it keeps me right where I need to be. A reminder, so I don't get all pumped up about myself, thinking I'm so much better than everybody else. And it keeps you right down in this humble state of being that I am to be poor in spirit. Never get away from that. Okay, so that's that's how he has us pray. And then he says, And do not lead us into temptations, but deliver us from evil. For yours is the kingdom. Heard that before. And the power and the glory forever. So now he says, now again, that same sense of dependency, a poor in spirit, recognizing, Lord, and this temptation, the word that's used there is the idea that God is going to put you through a trial to mold you and to change who you are. And, and it's not like you sit there in, your, in all your arrogance and go, bring it on, God, give it to me. Because you know what? He prunes you and it'll hurt. And you'll feel it. But he's, he's doing that to change us into the people he wants us to be. And so you are dependent on him. Lord, I know you're going to, don't, don't, please don't. <laughs> please don't. But to keep you constantly aware again that God is, needs to correct us, needs to change us and grow us. And, and you stay in this beautiful state of dependence on God. That's praying in the kingdom world. And you see it's about his wants and desires more than it's about mine. Now, when we were talking about praying, he tells us that we can ask anything, anything. That's what we learned in First, uh, first um, John 5, 14 and 15. We can ask anything, though anything in prayer but there's something that it must conform to his will His will, absolutely according to his will once again according to his will it keeps us so connected to what God is doing because see we don't belong in this world we don't belong in the kingdom world we don't know how to function this and it's purely by the grace of God that he allows us to be in that world of that intimate partnership with him and so we have to have that attitude to function in there and to do this now we're going to jump down to the the one we're going to today is the next one and we're going to be at number seven so get your papers and look at number seven and i'm going to i'm going to give you the verses for that today since you've already had to pull a bunch of them out so can i get somebody to read this one for me. <laughs> Who's going to do it? Somebody read it for me. Number seven. Hannah. Got it. What does marriage look like when you live in the kingdom? It is a union of two people committed to everything in this handout. 
in the kingdom, marriage is a triangular relationship. As the husband and wife both willingly surrender to the reign of God and both actively participate in an intimate partnership with him, they naturally live in harmony together, having the same purpose for their life. This is the world of the kingdom of God's beloved son that both you and your spouse were transferred into. This is salvation. Okay. Now the two verses I want you to put down 1 Corinthians 12. Excuse me. 1 Corinthians 2. 12 and 13. 1 Corinthians 2, 12 and 13. And then connect that over to Romans 8, 5. Okay, those are the two verses. And right now I'm going to start out with this triangle I want us to look at. Now, now, if you're not married, you're probably thinking, then why am I in here today to listen to this if I'm not married? Let me ask you a question. Do you want to be married? You plan on being married. If you do, pay strict attention to this. It can save you some real heartaches down the road. Okay? <laughs> so now you're already getting it, yes, and you need it. So <laughs> we need it because we're not we don't know how to live in that world either. How do you live married in the kingdom world? Well, that's another big challenge. It's hard enough to do it when it's just you. Then do it with two of you together. That here makes it more stressful, more things to look at. So now Draw yourself a triangle, put up top your God. Okay? Put down here, what we're going to do is husband. And over here, wife. Now, what we have learned so far all about living in the world of the kingdom are these, these six things that went before it. Okay. Now, as a husband and wife, we need to learn how those work in our lives. And then, what is Romans 12, 2? And then we have James 1, 22, 20, 23, 24, 25. And what does that tell us to do? I've already told you. Do. <laughs> to do it, yes. To do it. And so, let's do this. Put the kingdom here. the kingdom here. Okay, now as a husband, as a male, my purpose of my life is the kingdom. To be willingly surrendered to the rule of God and actively participate in an intimate partnership with him. Okay, that makes sense? That's, that's, the kingdom is what my life is to be about. We've learned that. We've seen that already. Now, my wife. What happens if my wife... Let's do this. My wife doesn't want to have anything to do with that. Now, what's going to happen with this right here? What's going to happen here if my spouse doesn't want to make the kingdom the focal point of their life? But let's say, but she really would like to make me the focal point of her life. What's that? Yeah, you don't have the triangle anymore. What happens is two people are not in harmony together with God. 
And therefore, if they're not in harmony together with God, they will never be able to put it together themselves. But you see, if they have both husband and wife committed to their surrender to the rule of God, and they're both actively participating in an intimate partnership with God, and you see down here, that becomes automatic. That works. Because they're both going the same direction and focused on the same things. And then it works. But take one of those out of that equation, take both of them out of that equation, and neither one of them are doing that, and boy, that creates problems. So now, those who are not married, who want to be married, what are you looking for in a spouse? Somebody who's committed to the kingdom. Somebody who's what? Who's committed or surrendered. And Somebody surrendered to the reign of God and actively participates in an intimate partnership with them. That's a no-brainer. When you find somebody who wants to do that, grab that person. <laughs> grab that person. That's somebody you want to marry. But you, do you see what I mean here? That When you have those two together. Now, so now, if I'm, you're looking for... You know, you're, you're a wife looking for a, a husband. Find this guy. Good looking guy. Studly. <laughs> so you find this guy and man, he's a knockout. And he's, you know he's going somewhere. He's going to go somewhere. And you're looking at this guy going, man, that's... I'm going to get that guy. I'm marrying that guy. I guarantee you instantly you're in for nothing but trouble. If you're pursuing the kingdom in your life and you pick somebody based on those kind of things, oh my goodness, nothing but problems. But if you find somebody over there and he doesn't look so studly, maybe he has a little bit of a paunch on him, maybe he's... <laughs> Don't be agreeing with that. Okay, so... <laughs> So you see someone, you know someone, you look at that and you go, wow, I'm pursuing God, you know, his kingdom. I want that intimate partnership. I'm pursuing it and everything else. And look at this guy is on the same pathway. Wow. You got to keep her. You've got to keep her. That's what makes marriage works. And that's how you are to be married in the kingdom of God's beloved son. It takes two people to be committed to the same thing to have the relationship God wants in that kingdom life. Both going the same direction. If only one is, it makes it really, really difficult. Really difficult. So now that becomes something that, once again, of all the things we're learning, then we take all of those six things before this, all these six things before it, and this becomes what we're trying to bring into our life together. Together we're working on those things. And, and then we're praying about those things and we're sharing those things and we're talking about those things. Trying to take those verses and do them, as it says, James 1, 22 through 25. And do those and helping each other and working towards that. That's what makes a beautiful marriage. That's what makes it. Now, if you're not married, and if you are married, let's take this into a different level. Let's get rid of this husband and wife. Okay, let's go outside of this world for a moment and take a look at this. 
and a little different thing. This is you. And these over here are your friends. Okay? Gee, we didn't kind of slide too far away from the husband and wife, did we? <laughs> Same thing applies. If you are seeking first the kingdom of God and you are going in a direction to have that surrender your life and have that intimate partnership with God and all your friends don't, how good are those relationships going to be? They're going to be really lacking because you're not going in the same direction. You don't have the same purposes. You're not going after the same things. So it's going to limit how close you can have in those relationships, how close those relationships could be. What will happen if you really join friendships with someone who isn't interested in this at all? This is not something they're even concerned with. And you make your friends all about that. What's going to happen? 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Anybody know what that says? Let me shrink it down for you real quick and easy. Bad company. What is it? Corrupts good morals. 1 Corinthians 15, 33. Bad company corrupts good morals. So see, if we join up like this and all our friends don't have anything to do with the same pursuit that you want to do, who's going to win that battle? Bad company, God says, corrupts good morals. So now, every one of us needs friends, good friends, that are on the same path as we are. Does that mean you don't have other friends? No. That doesn't mean that at all. But you better have good friends that are pursuing the kingdom of God as you are, or you're not going to continue to stay up at this level. Not my words. God says bad company corrupts good morals. And you know what bad company is? What do you see up here? Tell me what bad company is looking at this. Because who are the, what, what are those people? They are living in the domain of darkness. And that's what, that's what bad company is. It's a real simple equation, the way God has designed it to work. Real simple, real easy. But he wants us also, though, to be actively involved in... The kingdom, bringing other people into that kingdom relationship. But when to do so, we need really good people around us doing the same thing. So now, you want to you have a friend. You're looking to have a good friend. What kind of friend are you looking for? Exactly right. Somebody who has surrendered to the rule of God and actively participates in an intimate partnership with him. Now, you get to help them, they get to help you. That's good friendship. That's good friendship. And that's good marriage. Now, let's take this a little further. Let's do this. You, and let's change this. How about your church? That's certainly not automatic, let me tell you. You want to see a church really get going and get on fire and really start doing what God wants? Is get this in harmony here. And then you and that church are the same place going. That's that's a church doing what God wants done. 
because when it when it isn't, when this is not the functional purpose driving force, what's behind that church, then you're not going to have the church God wants that's going to be representing his body. We'll have all kinds of problems in it, all kinds of issues, which that's human nature. That's what's going to happen. But you're not going to have solutions to them. Because when we have something, when you're both going in the same direction towards the kingdom of God, and, and there is a problem. That problem would be real easy to deal with. Because you're either not surrendered to the reign of God or you're not actually participating in them. It's a good partnership. We just got to get those back together. That's all it is. That's all it is in all of our lives. Now, as a church body, that's how it should be working. That's what should be going on. Now, we have several different churches here, represented here. And I could not say what all your churches are like. I don't know. But guess what you need to do with your life? Now we're down to this next one. What is, what, what do you do with your life? What is it? Say it again loud. Okay, take that now, but what do you do with that? You help others. There you go. You help others. Get in that harmony, in that kingdom relationship. There's your life. That's what you do. There's your purpose. That's what you do. And that works for in your church, in your friendships, in your own life. That's what you're trying to build, to grow, and work together on. That's how God designed all things relationship-wise to work in this planet. It's all built around the surrendering to his reign and that intimate partnership of having that with him. And when you do that, it doesn't matter, in all the areas of your life, then it's then it works exactly how God wants it to work. But when it's outside of that, ooh, it can be tough. <laughs> 